Talks. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, an awesome topic. We've only addressed it once, but not that the caliber of today, because who I have with me today is, is going to blow our brains up. <laughs> you <hope> know, not. <laughs> <laughs> with knowledge, with knowledge. But but really, it's the, the, the concept is, th- this is someone who knows our brains and who knows how we function. And there's so so many this, the attributes and all descriptions I would give to our you know guest today. I mean, he's he's a brain surgeon, literally. Now those are you know not too many of them in the world, and we're gonna talk about that. And it takes a lot to be there. Uh, he teaches neuroscience at Virginia Tech, and um, he is an author, and he does a lot of things. And uh, you know, one of the main things that he's addressing, or at least talking about, is medical or doctors burnout. Now we know that. Everybody gets burned out through their life and work and so on and so forth. But the last thing we want, folks, is that our health care providers, our doctors get burned out because I don't think that the outcome will be a good one for any one of us as patients if that is the case. So today we have with us the specialist that actually is making a difference in this world and hoping you know, that with his work, you know, a lot of doctors will know how to do better and cope with it better and not have the burnout that they could experience. And we all know. That's not an easy, you know, uh, job. So, Doctor Gary Simmons, welcome to the show. Well, it is uh, absolutely my pleasure to be here, and I'm honored. And thank you so much. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. That is true. And uh, we're we're actually towards the latter part of the year, so you know, New Year, New Us is coming up soon. So, <laughs> well, so so Doc, you know, I again. I can never do justice, you know, introducing someone. Uh, you please do us the pleasure of, you know, introducing who Gary Simmons, because you have a lot more to to offer than what I just, you know, described in this brief, you know, uh, intro. Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> as we were talking about before we started, uh, I hailed from New Jersey originally, but uh, haven't haven't been there for a while. I actually did go to med school though at Rutgers uh, down in New Brunswick. Um, and, uh, from there I went to a, uh, what's called a residency. That's where you learn your specialty in, in neurosurgery. This, the residency is seven years long. And back in those days, at least it was about a hundred to 110 hours a week in the hospital and about every third night with no sleep. Uh, so it was, it was pretty grueling. Um, I'm not sure how much of that was needed or necessary, but it does take a long time to kind of build the skills. And I uh, served in the army for a while, and I eventually uh, went out uh, originally to uh, Geisinger in Pennsylvania, um, the Geisinger system in Pennsylvania, and then uh, dropped down to Virginia, uh, what's now Virginia Tech uh, Carillion School of Medicine, and uh, uh, did a lot there. Um, I stopped operating a couple of years ago for some medical reasons, uh, but I still teach uh, at Virginia Tech, both uh, undergrads and medical students, mostly about neuroscience in general. Well, that's that's a that's a big, <laughs> you know, uh, I would say specialty. I mean, brain surgery, neuroscience. That's that's very important it's everything is important on our body right but but it is not an easy you know a uh, piece of work i mean there's a lot more that takes place and i you know, i know what you said that you went to school a hundred hours is a lot of hours to put in a hundred more uh and yes 
talking about burnout, I'm sure that is burnout at school at that point. That's that's before you even practice it. But but so uh, you know, if you don't mind, doctor, just for our audiences, can you break down what does a brain surgeon do other than surgery in the brain? You know, in in more like uh, advanced way or simplified way, I would say, as well as neuroscience itself. Like you know, what is that? Just to bring it clear to our audiences. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, there, there are many uh, diseases and injuries that can affect uh, the nervous system. That is the brain, the spinal cord, and the nerves. Even you know all the way out into your arms and legs. Uh, and there are many different diseases that can affect it. And you know, there's a big um, uh, kind of a dividing line between two specialties in medicine. Uh, one is neurosurgery and one is neurology, and they're not exactly the same thing, although we often uh, kind of interdigitate. But uh, neurosurgery deals with what I would call structural problems, meaning they, they can be seen with the naked eye or not a very powerful uh, microscope, and they, they are causing problems because uh, of their of them being there or pressing on things or invading things. Uh, and, and they're diseases of which we can physically do something about, meaning with our hands or using instruments or, or that sort of thing. So you think of something like a brain tumor, a uh, brain tumor growing in the brain, we hopefully can take it out. Uh, it's, it may need a bunch of other treatments as well, but we physically go into the head and take it out. Or a big uh, collection of blood from a hemorrhage, you know, we may uh, go after something like that. And then there's there's a whole bunch of things that, that we uh, can do in the brain and spinal cord. But they're for things that are that are you know uh, you can virtually see them and and we can manipulate them, whereas there's a bunch of diseases that are much more on the microscopic level, like within the cell. So multiple sclerosis, for example, is a disease where your your immune system attacks the insulation of individual super microscopic nerves. And, you know, there's nothing a surgeon can do with their hands for that. So the treatments are medications and they tend to fall, those type of diseases tend to fall more under the purview of neurologists who will treat it with medications and, and that sort of thing. Now, again, we, our two specialties very much uh, interact and we're always working uh, kind of side by side, but that's kind of how I break it down. So as a neurosurgeon, you spend a lot of time in the operating room because um, particularly brain surgery is pretty delicate, obviously, and you can mess things up pretty easily. So you don't want to rush through anything. And uh, the, the operations can take several hours to a whole day if, if, it, you know, if it's super complicated. And uh, so you spend a lot of time in the operating room and then you tend to spend a lot of time in places like the ICUs uh, and the ERs because a lot of our diseases, uh, the people are really sick uh, and in big trouble and they often come on fairly quickly. So if you have a hemorrhage in your brain, for example, it, you know you, you may need to be uh, operated on within minutes or hours uh, or else all sorts of terrible things can happen. So 
Uh, we, we spend a lot of time kind of dealing with emergencies or very urgent problems, and our patients tend to be very sick. Uh, so we spend, like I said, if we're not in the OR, we're usually in the ER or the ICUs a lot of the time. Wow. Well, first of all, Doctor, thank, thank you for breaking, you know, the the differences, because I, I think that clarified, you know, at least for me, and I'm sure for people that watch and listen right now. But but you know, I, I it's amazing because you're make you're talking about it, but it's serious stuff, and it's it's to your point, delicate stuff. That is one mistake can can mean life or death for that person, or paralysis, or or something, you know, very you know bad, uh, as you stated. And you're right. I mean, these things don't don't warrant. In, in the longer, maybe like a tumor, maybe somebody that can discover it early, but a lot of these things can happen instant. They get rushed to the ER and that's it from ER to OR to ICU. I mean, that, that's probably the standard procedure, right? You know, how exactly. it's going to go. And, and all that, those are all tense, you know, places. I mean, you know, it's trauma one one and it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, and you're right. I mean, going into, into an operating room for, for what you do is going to be like, it's going to take time and you want to do it, you know, with the best potential outcome. So I, listen, I mean, I got to thank you and salute you for, for the work because that, that is not, not for the, the faint of heart as they say. And, and that, so that leads to that one question is why brain surgery <laughs> out of all the specialties? Well, I, I, I have my own story about that when I, I think different people are motivated by different things, but I was going to be something completely different. Uh, I was going to be a cardiothoracic surgeon and I, I actually had my training all lined up, uh, and in my last month in medical school, I saw my first brain operation, and I was just like, oh my God, I have got to do that. Um, and it you know, wasn't well thought out. It wasn't well planned out. It was like the scales fell from my eyes, and I was like, I have to do that. Um, it wasn't very wise in that, uh, you know, it... it I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but it worked out very well because I, I loved every minute of it. Um, but I always advise like the medical students, I say, you know, I go ahead and follow your heart like I did, but do a lot more research than I did before you, you know, switch horses in midstream. So it was just for me, it was just like almost like, like an epiphany. I, you know, I thought it was super cool. I thought it was, you know, super challenging and it proved to be <laughs> certainly both of those. Well, thank you. Well, so Gary, um, you know, we, we watch movies, we, we like Grey Anatomy and all the, you know, these the series and stuff. There's a lot of uh, hospital and surgeons. Now, do you go through the same surgery, surgeon uh, process until a certain point and then you decide which type of surgery you go? That's what I'm getting from, from, from what you've mentioned. So basically, you get the same training as a general surgeon and then you get to pick, you know, whatever that is, that extra piece. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you have to take the medical shows with a big grain of salt. Uh, first of all, there's a lot less that. sex. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, um, but they, they tend to overgeneralize what everybody can do, you know, so you'll see an ER doc performing heart surgery or something, and it doesn't quite work out that way. But it, what happens is usually in the third year, the first two years of medical school, you get pounded with basic, what we call basic science. So anatomy, physiology, neuropathology, uh, neurophysio, I mean, pathology, physiology, uh, pathophysiology, pharmacology. I mean, you just get pounded with, with all these subjects. 
Uh, and then usually in the third year, you start going out and spending time in the hospital uh, on various in various specialties, but they tend to be very general at first. So, uh, you know, general medicine, general surgery, uh, OB-GYN, that sort of thing that, that you'll spend many months in. And you start to get a taste of uh, seeing the various subspecialties uh, out of those. But um, then in your fourth year, you hopefully are starting to make up your mind and, and deciding where to go. But something like neurosurgery, um, you, you really don't do much general surgery. You go straight into neurosurgery and, you know, start working on the brain and the spinal cord right away. I mean, again, once again, you, you picked some, some very crucial ones, some very tough ones and vital, you know, parts of our living i mean any any individual with any major problem in the brain or the spinal cord nor spinal system you're gonna have issues right mobility you know speech vision everything i mean you lose everything i mean that's where the engine is <laughs> you know yeah i mean yeah it's 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 everything when you come to think of it and you were asking about you know the neuroscience and kind of we try to learn the neuroscience back to front because you know it's it's where it's all at so you you kind of want to know your organ system you know like the back of your hand and uh hopefully can understand it better when things go wrong uh but yeah when things go wrong in the nervous system i mean they, they really go wrong and and it really can you know mess people up or kill them pretty easily and pretty quickly but but i, I do believe that your work does help people sometimes to to save lives and, and get them better and sometimes at least to alleviate some of the damage that can happen i mean your work is is definitely there and needed because these problems will happen they happen i mean there's trauma every day people you know accidents and so on so you talked about the army i mean people you know we have veterans that you know first of all thank you for your service you know folks that go and serve and you know there's all kind of problems that can happen and then they still have to get treated so these are areas that are very um I mean, it's really essential, you know, stuff of living and the work you do must have uh, a good satisfy, satisfaction, satisfaction, I would say, level when you, you operate in someone and, and you see them improve, I mean, uh, or save their life for that matter, because to your point, I mean, there's a brain hemorrhage and, you know, uh, you know, peace and, and, and you're fixing that, uh, you stop the bleeding, you make sure that the brain's functioning correctly. At least, you know, uh, it could have been worse because that damage could be, you know, irreversible. And sometimes you're able to catch it, you know, early on that the damage is not that extensive. So, uh, wow. Now, Dr. Gary, <laughs> you know, uh, if I, I just want to, I'm curious, how many surgeries have you operated on that you can <laughs> think of? I, uh, I, you know, I kept a rough count through the years and it was over 13,000. Um, and you see, uh, you know, for, for every surgery you do, you, you see or take care of 10 or 20 people. So, you know, the, the, the amount of people I took care of through the years were, you know, tens and tens of thousands. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it's super rewarding. It's super challenging. It's not, for, as you said, too, it's not for the faint of heart because because of the organ system is very unforgiving that, you know, there are a lot of bad outcomes. A lot of people do not do well. So uh, when, when there are successes, when you can pull somebody from the brink, uh, it, it really is super rewarding. Uh, it's rewarding with all the patients you take care of, but obviously, uh, 
you know, when when you can save somebody or save some of their function or whatever, it it really uh, drives you. It really fills you with a, a lot of energy and drive and want to do better. But it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's it it is in our setting. It's really busy. I, you know, if you if you look at the number of people in the country who actually need a neurosurgeon, it's relatively small. But we're concentrated in these big medical centers, right? And and so if you ever are around or near a big medical center, you see these helicopters flying in all the time. I mean, they're just coming in every few minutes. At, helicopters coming in and it, it feels like at least to us it feels like every single one's bringing a neurosurgical problem but you know for example uh car accidents uh, you know they're we're i always worked in these trauma centers and uh so the car accidents are coming in one after another after another and uh people very badly beat up and you know you you go at it as a team there's a trauma team and the orthopedic surgeons and all you know a whole bunch of other people and we take care of anything that goes on obviously in the brain and the spine but when when they get badly beaten up i mean you know everything else has to take second second seat because you only have a few minutes sometimes uh to act on a problem well i think if you can get the brain you know you know or the the, the actual um nervous system when the, the newer system stuff operational then then you can work with the bones and everything else right yeah you know i mean right. it's it's that's the whole thing if that ends it's it's over right? i mean the cardio stops everything else is dead exactly. so i mean that that you know we often hear the expression like well this is not brain surgery in this case <laughs> it is brain surgery it is it is it is at, at, at the worst or the highest level that you can possibly imagine at any given moment so there is no dull moment for you guys and so that that and i i did read that there's not a lot of you guys i mean there's there's a it's a high you know specialty and very few out there so there is a high demand so i'm sure you are busy as you said whatever you are if you're in a hospital system that system is going to get everything that's in that particular vicinity or state area because because that's just what it is uh, and so again that makes you one of the few in this world that actually can do these things and you know I, and i have to again it's just that's why I said I, I'm I'm fascinated today because this is you don't get to to talk to someone that has a specialty in the world that is that minute in terms of the general, I guess, population of this 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 earth, right? There's a lot of us, there's only a few of you. So um Yeah, you know, it's funny, Hurricane though, but it, you uh, I think we benefit a little bit from the the organ that we work on, it being the brain and the brain being so amazing and, and wonderful and complex and all that. I think people just immediately assume, oh, you know, somebody who works on it must be really special too. Uh, you know, so we get put up there with the with the uh, rocket scientists and astrophysicists. I'm not sure we earned that, but uh uh, but it is it is pretty wild. It's a wild ride. Yeah, I beg to differ because those guys that send those things up there, they need a better brain and a good brain. <laughs> and God forbid something happens, you got to be there, right? So we don't want that, right? It is. I mean, it, your work is, is, I would say, it's up there because anyone listening right now, the last thing you want is to have something happen in your functions and, and anything. So, uh, you know, again, just thank you and, you know, for the work you've done. I know you don't do it now specifically, but but you've, saved lives now I, i'm pretty sure and this is a, probably the question that you you dread the most is you probably have lost people to to you know trauma 
and, and I'm sure that is not an easy thing, but it's something that you probably train for to be able to, I guess, to deal with emotionally, physically, and with, you know, the, the, the you know, I guess the, the family members, um, you know, that, that, how hard is that? I mean, I, I know it's hard, but, you know, just from your sure. experience, how, how do you, you know, just maybe as an advice to, to doctors or wannabe doctors, like, you know, the, the, the ones that are planning to go into the medicine, you know, level and maybe go to that when I meant want to be not, not in a negative way, you know what I mean? Like people that, that have an actual longing to do this job, you know, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think, um, in, in a field like ours, uh, it is part and parcel. You're, you're going to deal with it and it, it actually gets worse because I, well, first of all, we deal with just a lot of bad, bad things, bad outcomes that we just can't fix. So, you know, a bad gunshot wound to the brain, we, we may rush off to the operating room and try to save, but, you know, the odds are really stacked against us and, and uh, they're probably not going to survive. And sometimes right in the middle of the operation, we, we know that they are not going to make it. And it's, you know, it's, that's not easy even under those circumstances, but we're human beings too, and we will make mistakes. Uh, you know, I hope it's, it's not like, usually it's not like the movies where, where, you know, I, I drop an instrument on the brain or something and say, oops, uh, <laughs> but we will make mistakes. We'll make judgment errors. We'll make, you know, the wrong call. Maybe we wait too long on a problem, or maybe we, we, you know, assume that one thing's going on, another thing's is actually doing it. But one way or the other, you know, we, we make mistakes and the consequences are rough. So you you get kind of a two-tiered uh, beating, if you will. Uh, on one level, it's you're dealing with a lot of diseases that you're not going to make better or you're only going to marginally improve uh, anyway, you know, just in and of themselves. But if you then throw in, you know, human fallibility, our ability to make mistakes here and there, you carry with you that weight of I've hurt people, you know, I, I've hurt people and hurt people badly. And people have died maybe because I haven't been as good as I, I should be or could be. Uh, and you begin to overgeneralize that too to almost every case, every bad outcome. You're you're constantly going, what could I have done different? You know, what, what could I have done differently? And you You'll wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes in a cold sweat, and you'll think, ah, gone it. Why didn't I think of this? Why didn't I think of that? And it may not be valid at all, but you do it anyway. So you just pretty much assume that you could have done better, even, even under the worst of circumstances. So somehow you've got to be able to bear that. You know, you, you got to be able to tolerate that and you know go in the next day and and do your thing and uh because again it does they don't wait for you you know they don't say hey simmons is having a rough time right now we'll, we'll just let him have a week or two off it's you come in and the next set of crises are are waiting for you so uh on one level you just you just you know you have to kind of nike it you just have to do it just do it um, but I think uh, there, you know, there are many ways to to hopefully tackle it. I think one of the biggest is uh, commiseration. Is if you've got good partners, people that you trust, people that you're working with, where you can talk this out and say, "Doggone it! I wish I had." done this or can you think of something i could have done better or, or when they're having a rough time you're going you know 
I know exactly what you're going through. Sorry that you're going through it. it it's amazing how much, uh, how reparative that is when when you have that sort of situation. Well, thank you, Gary. And 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 you know, listen to you. I mean, great advice. You know, in terms of like people have to be prepared, and and certainly any medicine, you know, any yeah. school level, you're gonna have to be prepared because you're gonna see lot of trauma and things and during during the career path and and you have to to deal with it you're going to see disease you're going to have people that may not make it you're going to give diagnoses that can be terminal and things like that in your case you have minutes and 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 really it's it's just difficult and i have to say that you know we talk about the brain and you know there's there's the other part the mental aspect of things right and you know we typically in general terms we talk about mental status and health status or body physical status in this case yes you guys fix in brains but mentally you you can be very very burned out as to, as we're going to lead into the discussion because it does take you know a nice toll on people like to your point just if, it's like a guilt factor even though you have none but you don't know had you you know done something different and you would never know because you do your best at this and by the way this is actually for everything else out there if you're doing any type of specialty, you can only do the best at the time you have with the set of circumstances and everything else. You know, there's many times to your point, and anybody watching probably had this experience. You move on and you do something like, oh, man, I should have thought about that. But at the time it didn't happen, there's no way you could have thought about it because everything that happened happened the way it did, and you could not possibly change the outcome at that point. And, and thinking about it retroactively and just, you know, maybe it's good for the future. Like, okay. Next time we're going to try this, you know, as another option, mm -hmm. but that doesn't help whoever, you know, has been, you know, on that, that situation with you, you know, and, and you're right. It is a, it is a, a mind game and it's a very difficult one. And I guarantee it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's what we're going to go into now is that that actually takes a big toll on the doctors that do these types of, you know, high, uh, you know, specialized you know, functions. I would say even the non-specialists, but, but in your case, it's very more trauma-based and a lot more of, you see in lives, I mean, the lives of these people are in your hands. I mean, 100%. I mean, in, in a way, that's what it is. That's what you think. That's what you know. That's what the expectation is is for you. Uh, and, and you know, parents, family members, you know, uh, you name it, they're going to be there. And that's the first reaction. Like, you know, I, listen, this is a true story. And it's a little off, but I'm in the insurance space. So one time we were actually at um, uh, doing a presentation and this lady came. I was like, you killed my husband. <laughs> Now, now she did not point at us. The company I worked for, you know, she was upset. Right. And, and the company was an insurer with a medical practice or a medical center. The medical center, somehow, there was some procedure that they did not perform or they did not allow her to have, you know, for her husband. And eventually he turned out, you know, he passed on. And so her main claim was like, you know, this whole company, you know, is behind, you know, the debt of her husband. Yeah, so I can I can relate to to the fact this is this is more of a, a lighter space, but in your case, you were the one literally performing. And so therefore, you know, you're on your team, of course. And I love what you said about the team, because you're right. I mean, you're not the only one in that surgery. You have uh, you know, you guys are a whole bunch of people, and there's so much stuff going on, and everybody's looking at different things. And and you're right, you have different sets of eyes looking. So your transaction, whatever you do. I mean, you do have advice. You do have other people that have similar or close enough expertise to, to you know, we're going to do this. So it kind of makes a little bit of sense. So at least you have that relief that, you know, we were a whole bunch of us. It wasn't just me, but ultimately you're the one making mm -hmm. the ultimate cuts and, and all the moves. So it, you're still are the leader of the team in that case. And therefore you always, as a, a true captain, right? You're always, you know, 
with the blame first as a leader that's where you stand right and so i i appreciate it but i know it's very difficult doc so so gary now let's talk about we we kind of covered all this but but really you know you saw that there is a huge area here whereby people are burned out you know you i mean you just just from the student level to the actual practice level there is no rest really because as you said it's ongoing it's ongoing and I love what you said. It's not like, okay, let's give him a week, you know, his mental state. This is not, like you said, this is not the movies where they tell you to take a break. <laughs> you know, there's only a few of, of you in, in a nation and you're going to be live at all times. There's maybe one replacement, but that's going to be a difficult task. And so, and you're right, the amount of trauma we have these days is just unstoppable. I mean, between, we live in a motorized world, we live in, in a, very, a lot of crime. And so therefore these things are like more redundant than maybe some places where it's very secure. I mean, people still fall. People still have, you know, things, you know, that can happen to them, but but not in a general term as, as we have a higher risk, you know, and so therefore that is an area. I mean, again, you could slip and fall and hit your head and have you have blood trauma. And you it, have, it's you know, crazy. It's, it's crazy. as simple as that. As <clears throat> fact, I read, doctor, recently that, there, you know, there is a huge number of people that die from just falling from the stairs, you know, with hits to their brains, yeah. you know, to their heads. So imagine that. I mean, that's, you don't even think about that in the picture of, of what you guys do, but it is the same for you. It's the same. Someone's coming in head to the you know, trauma head and then you're going to have to take care of them. So it's tough. So, so let's talk, you know, about the amount of, of pressure and how, you know, you've discovered this, you've seen this and you took it upon yourself to start, you know, these types of, uh, you know, where you wrote books and trainers and things like that. So let's talk about that, that transition. Yeah, I, we, uh, I think um, the one thing I'm, I'm going to say right off the bat is it is certainly not uh, a entity. Burnout is not an entity that's just in, in uh, neurosurgeons and certainly not just in medicine. Uh, I mean, I think in, as you're, as you're pointing out, we we're a pretty complex uh, society with uh, things going on all the time and we're multitasking every minute and you know there's just there's just and the news feeds are coming in and all that sort of thing and uh, I think everybody is is stressed uh, and you know just are running out of energy if you will but I, I obviously I focused more in the in the medical realm and what what I know. And uh, for example, in our books, we kind of, we went through, we just pulled up, I don't know, 60, 70 plus typical stressors that you encounter in your day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, and, you know, all of these are coming in at once and uh it it uh, has effects and we like to you know to a certain degree you have to you have to play doctor you know you almost have to pretend you're a doctor too in your in your day-to-day -day work you can't sit there and fret and say geez uh, you know uh, this next operation i can really harm this person i i you know i'm going to be nervous about it that that's gonna you know that's only going to get you in trouble so you got to kind of you got to kind of shut all that talk off and you almost have to, you know, play the, the TV doctor. Oh yes, I know what I'm doing and I'll take <laughs> care of everything. But it's that all that stuff is still getting in, you know, you put up these big defenses, but it's still getting in all these various stressors that, that uh, you face in day to day. And uh, 
you know, burnout, when you talk about burnout, you can get very uh, specific about it. It's, you know, supposed to be a, a real drop in emotional energy, just a, you know, a overall fatigue and a lack of empathy and a sense of nihilism, and you can measure it and all that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, we saw it in a number of different ways from, from the classical sense. And I think when people start really burning out, what happens is uh, personal idiosyncrasies start showing up. So I give the example, I'm from New Jersey originally, and I always say, if you're from New Jersey, you, you know, you, you speak in sarcasm, you know, and you're <laughs> you're just cynical to begin with. And I had to, I had to learn how to suppress all that, you know, uh, particularly going into the South, I think, where they're much more polite. But uh, in my own personal, when I'm starting to, to burn down, all that stuff comes out. I just get more and more sarcastic and, you know, people take it badly. And now I'm spreading misery around me and stuff. Other people may be angry and barking. Other people may go silent. Other people may take it out on their dog or their, you know, their spouse or something like that. Uh, so everybody's reacting differently. But what we see is, you know, you just people start becoming the people they don't want to be. Uh, and I think that's a good measure when when you can start telling somebody's burning out is when you're looking at them and going, this isn't who they are or who they would want to be. Well, thank you. Well, so so there's there's fact. I mean, you've talked about stressors that you, you've noticed and there's, you've discovered a few of them, you know, so there's, there's quite a bit. Now, are there, um, so there's the mental stressors, right? The things that, you know, just the pressures, but there's also, I, I guess, for example, lack of sleep could be one. Uh, nutrition Absolutely. could be another one so so let's talk about that like you know what can we do you know as as for the for the, the our providers our healthcare you know providers by the way I, I think you know for example we we just experienced a massive example throughout the pandemic you know a couple of years oh, yeah. back i mean you guys were the top you know the first ones online you know uh, in there inside out i mean again i'm not sure you, you i'm sure you were there but but in terms of like the day in day out i mean people were every day you know elective you know surgeries were not there but you know trauma did not go away <laughs> well maybe it did because we had less traffic but, but it but did the, go down that's for sure it, it did go down but but the fact of the matter is we've seen people working non-stop you know uh in the hospitals people were not able a lot of people were sick so doctors themselves were sick sometimes they couldn't be there so there's a lot of that happened it's bad. So, so, so let's talk about like the different, you know, elements that, that, that are, you know, contributing in addition to the work piece itself, because the work piece, we got it, but there's, there's outside factors. It could be family. Cause if, if you're spending too much time at the hospital doing all this, you are not really spending a lot of time with your family. So I'm sure that affects your relationship with your spouse or significant other, your kids, whatever. That's one. Uh, it could be, to your point, you mentioned sarcastic, you know, stuff, you know, you could be just, you know, you know, on, on, on a tangent, you know, and literally on edge every minute. So someone talks to you, like you just get in their face. It could be a lot of things. And, and, and these things now, again, you will probably have lack of sleep and that's another thing that's going to affect you. You're not hydrated properly. You're not eating well because you ate junk. So, 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 Tell us, you know, I, I mean, I'm just assuming these things, you know, but, but, you know, I will relate to you in terms of like, you know, please feed us more on what are those things and how we can potentially prevent that end. Yeah. I mean, you're hitting on, you are hitting on some really uh, solid balls there. The, uh, I, I think, you know, 
one of the things that we forget to do when we're really busy is to take care of ourselves physically for sure. So, you know, we, we, we stop exercising. We, as you said, you know, the, the quickest food is the junk foods. So we throw down some junk food. We're tired. So we're drinking a lot of caffeine. So now our, you know, our, our blood sugars are way down. So we're throwing even more, you know, junk in and, uh, uh, we, as you say, even we dehydrate for sure. Uh, we're not drinking enough water. Uh, maybe when we get home, we we drink a little too much alcohol, uh, and that's wearing on us, you know, by the next day, and and so forth. And then, uh, and lack of sleep, and and you know, it doesn't have to be because you're on call for an emergency room. A lot of us in our society start compromising our sleep because the days are just too short. So, you know, we we haven't got everything done that we need to get done, a bank statement or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and so we say, oh, I, I can deal with five and a half hours of sleep. Well, most people can't uh, and that sort of thing. So, I, you know, one of the first things to do absolutely is, is to take care of ourselves physically. And then, you know, you were commenting and it's really critical to realize that uh, absolutely our at work life and our at home life or our out of work life are absolutely interconnected. They're not separate entities. So if you're burning out one, you're going to burn out the other and vice versa. So, you know, if the marriage is going poorly, uh, it's going to affect work. If work is going poorly, it's going to affect, you know, possibly the marriage or your relationship with your kids or not seeing your friends or family anymore or, or that sort of thing. So they're all like ripples in a pond. And I, you know, in, in modern society, for example, one of the biggest worries right now that you hear over and over again is work-life balance. People are always talking about work, work-life balance, that they feel this pressure that, you know, hey, if, if I'm giving time to work, I'm taking it away uh, from home. And one of the things that we advocate, there's even a little exercise to this, but I think it's a good one. Um, one of the things that we advocate is, is to never measure your success in balance by time. If you measure it by time, you're going to be frustrated and angry, and it's just going to compound things because work gets a big chunk of our time, no matter what you know we do. So what we advocate for people is to sit down periodically, write out five to eight things that are really important to them in life right now. And they can be work things as well as home things. But what are some elements of your life that are really important to you? It may be staying in touch with your family. It may be, you know, staying in good in good physical shape. It may be getting a promotion at work. Or, I mean, but things that right now are really important to you. And then we ask people to just plot it out almost on a bar graph where, where you plot out you, you make a bar for each of these entities and you just measure by an estimate, a guesstimate, how well am I doing in this? How engaged am I? And if you make it into a bar graph, I don't know, I could even draw out, but you know, if you make it out into a bar graph and you just spitball it, what you begin to see is that you're doing great in certain areas and then in certain areas, you're really lacking in it 
it really has nothing to do really with time. You may have the time. So you may have a bar graph like that for each of your things. And this may be, you know, this may be doing things with your kids. And you realize, yeah, I spend three hours a night with my kids. But what I do is I crash on the couch and, you know, we just all sit there and watch TV. And you can say to yourself, okay, uh, what I'm going to start doing is getting outside and we're going to kick a ball around or throw a ball around or go ride bikes or go rollerblade or something like that. Um, and so if you can kind of focus on on your engagement with these things as opposed to, oh, I gave this this much time, I gave this that much time, because that's just going to frustrate the hell out of you. And then figure out how do I increase my engagement in these things. That would be an example of how you might tackle a problem like that. So that that's that's an awesome strategy. But but are there others that you know you might recommend? For example, I don't know, music, meditation, you know, things that that you can adopt to to just kind of mellow you down and get you into the Zen moment or the zone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. And and what we found, um, you know, working with various physicians and all on this is what works for Peter doesn't necessarily work for Paul. So like our books have 70, 80 different strategies, you know, that you could Ooh. try different techniques that you could try. And what we, and they're all simple. One of the critiques of us is that they're all simple solutions. They're, they're so simple. You just, you know, you're advising to do this and that, and, you know, it's common sense. It's something, and we're like, yeah, if it were truly common sense, people would be doing it, but what they're, you know, they're not doing these things. And, uh, you know, if we made it super psychobabble, you know, really got into psychology, most people would just say, yeah, the hell with that. So uh, I'll give you a few examples. But um, one of the big ones, uh, really starting from scratch, I'm going to start from scratch. One of the biggest ones is what we call self-compassion. And that means actually taking into account yourself. Think, sitting down periodically and thinking, who am I? What, what drives me? What do I want in life? What do I need in life? What brings me up? What brings me down? What sucks the life right out of me? What makes me feel great and on top of the world? Because we, we get so involved with taking care of everything else. And this was easy in medicine because you get so focused on the patient. You actually feel guilty if you start thinking of yourself at all. But as you've said, you know, if you're if you're dragging as a physician, what good are you, you know, to your patients? So one of the first things we say is you've got to know yourself and you've got to figure out what are the things that are really going to get you back into the game, make you feel good and stuff. And then step two is uh, is what we call self-care. And that is simply, it doesn't matter if, if you recognize it, if you don't do anything about it, then you're still not going to, you know, make a, make a step in the right direction. So uh, one of the things is to address the things that are really bringing you down. Can I minimize them or can I change the way I react to them? Because a lot of times we're not going to get rid of the stressors. They're going to be there. There may be a painful, you know, coworker that just drives you insane. Well, you could sit there and ruminate about the, the coworker all day, or you could figure out how to roll over it and just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let that you know, get to me. So uh, to be able to do something uh, and address, uh, you know, your your weak spots and try to get uh, more of the good stuff in. 
another big one that I love is this one, uh, is uh, what we call harvesting uplifts. And that is, uh, and again, I'll give you a medical example, but in medicine, in my business particularly, we spent all our time waiting for the next boot to drop. We just, you know, I, we were constantly thinking what could go wrong, what could go wrong, what could go wrong. So like if an operation goes great, we're just, we're not high-fiving. We're going, oh God, what's going to, you know, well, if this happens, this happens, this happens. And that's our job. You know, we're, we're supposed to anticipate so that we can head it off at the pass, hopefully. But what happens is you train your mind to think only negative, to think only bad. So one of the exercises that that we promote is to uh, is to for a good one, one, two, three weeks, every day, go in with a piece of paper, go in with your phone, and seek out, search out, or try to recognize just five things that went well, five things that put a smile on your face or made you feel happy or gave you the warm and tinglies. You know, it could be somebody smiling at you, thanking you. It could be music that came on the radio on your way. It doesn't matter. Just five things that that made the day that much better. And when you go to bed at night, just before you go to sleep, just kind of roll through them and say, well, you know, this wasn't such a bad day. And what happens is if you do that, if you force it for a couple of weeks or so, what happens is you train your brain to actually start seeing these things as they're occurring. You don't have to look for them anymore. You go, oh, geez, you know, that person thanked me. That feels good. I, I'm going to enjoy that gratitude. Um, and, and so you've trained your brain to start pulling in the positives and you're going to feel better for it. And, and it, it's, this one's got pretty strong psychological background to it, you know, in terms of studies and all that sort of thing. So that would be a, that would be a great example, uh, of an exercise everybody can do. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, I, I you know, you said something, uh, the critics state that your stuff is simple. Simple, simple works as, you know, believe it or not, the, the thing, it's so simple that many people don't even look at it. That's really sometimes where the problem is. There, there, there are obvious things that are around us every day, but we tend to not to overlook them because we don't even see them. They're that simple. But yeah, they're the foundations to, to be better or do things differently. And, and, and basically you go back to the basics, basics work, <laughs> you know, and, and, exactly. and I think what, what you're doing is like, you're, people are so advanced and that's that's all of us i think in general what we do especially whatever we do in, the, in 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 our lives as businesses work and stuff we get so advanced in whatever we do that we forget like the roots you know what it all started and and what we can do to go back to things sometimes you look at like oh i could have just done it this way you know i can do this i can deal but so 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 if critics say that i mean it's it's hidden it's hidden a button <laughs> so i have to say they see they see it and sometimes that's what it is you, you don't want to accept simple like really that was that easy and yet we can think about it well sometimes folks that's what it is it is what it is <laughs> you, yeah you and say something yeah no no i was going to joke that i i think sometimes people who get that cynical are are showing their own burnout you know to a yeah, to a certain right. degree I, I'll give you another one that I think, it, it, again, they the crit criticism might be that, oh, you're just being a Pollyanna. But, you know, it's one of the problems that we recognize in the healthcare system, and I guarantee this goes for all industries, is a lot of the stressors are coming at you 
from a you know from a zone which you have no control over you can you know the, the, it's corporation and rules and regulations and you know mm -hmm. the, the, these are stuff you ain't going to change today you know you're not going to make it better today no matter what you do so we 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 espouse this what we call a, the 90 10 rule and that is okay Assume, go ahead and assume that 90% of the problem, 90% of what's getting at you is totally out of your control. It's them. They're doing it to you. Is there a 10% or any fraction you want, but is there a percent that you could take some ownership in and say, well, I'm going to make this one little corner that much better? And the effects of doing that, because, you know, at one point you're just being a victim and you're just, you know, you're very, you're being passive as opposed to being active and saying, I'm going to affect the change here that is going to make me feel better. It's, and it will then potentially act as ripples in a pond and, you know, help those around you as well. Uh, so, you know, again, it sounds simple. It sounds like being a Pollyanna, but it's the type of thing that can really make an impact. Well, you know, I, I'm listening to you and, and I love what you said. It's about ownership, accountability. And and we all are supposed to do. And, and again, for someone who's not in the healthcare, maybe they don't know the intricate stuff that is behind the scenes. Um, but but frankly, it's a very reason we started. I started this whole network with with the idea that people don't know enough about our healthcare system. And so let's bring it up to the surface. Being in the insurance space and working as a payer, working yeah. with, with providers, I've seen things that people don't even know what it looks like in, in, in there. And, you know, and it's you'll be surprised. You're right. I mean, you work in the hospital system. There's a board. There is an executive team. There's decisions. There is investors. There is like regulators. You know, the, the, the Department of Health. There's a CDC. There's all kinds of things that are being thrown at you. There's the media. There's the malpractice lawsuits that, you know, the, the first thing that they're worried about. I mean, talking about you, I don't know, man. I mean, brain surgery has got to be one of the highest risks. And, you know, uh, you know, hospitals will be very, very, you know, highly looking at those things. So so these are things that, that are obviously, but it's, you know what the risk is by doing the work you do. And by the way, that, that goes for everyone. No matter what yeah. you do in life, you know what, what the, the, the high risks are and what the effects are. And, you know, you deal with them. But finding that balance where you can actually have some resilience and things like that is a key. And you are providing solutions. And I think your books, and by the way, I think you have three books, right? Is that, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, three uh, nonfiction and a novel that came out this year. Oh, so we, I want to talk more about the novels. But but all these books you know, are available to the world of medicine, but I think they're applicable to other areas. So someone can still read them. And you know, one, we can understand what you guys go through. Two, they can apply some of these concepts. I don't think these are exclusive to medicine no. or doctors. They can apply to real life, you know, as motivation, inspiration, and just you know, guidance, you know, to to have a better life, to have a better strategy about dealing with with high, I guess, intense situations and stressful situations. Psychologically speaking, as you said, these are, these things are found in psychology, and and they have based, you know, you know, uh, uh, I guess. Uh, sources so therefore it's not like it's just out of the air and therefore we can use them across you know other areas so again folks you know i will encourage everyone to potentially look at these books and 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 taking a look at them if not give them to someone you love and if you think someone in your world 
Law's medicine, maybe that'll be the first book. Here's a gift of going to med school. Here's a gift. <laughs> this yeah, we always say, you know, give it to the families as well, because, you know, the families are in for that ride. We, well, that's the thing. See, everything that we do, we always think that it's only us. It's not only us. It's everybody that you touch in life. Exactly. Whether, in your case, it's your patients, it's their family, it's your family. It's all your environment, your coworkers. That's your world. And that goes to everybody else watching or listening right now. It doesn't matter what you do. Your actions or your outcomes, your reactions are affecting everyone. Sometimes not even the people you know. You live in a world where you actually exchange, yeah. you know, information with people. You go to a store, you go to a doctor yourself, you go to, you know, I don't know, to, to in transportation, you go on a cruise, you go on a plane. You're going to have to deal with other people. Your stress is going to be, and we see it on road rage. We see it in people getting in each other's throat, you know, in, in stores and shopping and stuff. Because everybody's carrying loads and loads of emotions. And the first emotion, you know, trigger, boom, they just go off, you know. And it's amazing. But but so I love what, what you know, your assessment, you know, obviously started from the world where you are. But but it is beyond all of that, all of that. And it can benefit anyone, to your point, the families at first. That's the other thing. The families sometimes may not know what you go through. And by understanding oh, yeah. what what's going on behind <clears> these, because there's so much that's going on. I'm sure you don't tell your family everything that goes on. No. There's no way, you know, it just it's just too much. And you don't want to tell everything. I mean, I again for me, I come from work. I have too many things. So you think my wife's gonna know everything that went during the day? No, you know, just sometimes the highlight. You know, like oh, it's a good day, it's a bad day, whatever. But you don't go through the deep depth, you know. And when you go there, it's like forget about it. We can spend hours just talking about it, right? But you right earlier you said talk about it. That's good. Yeah, Hurricane, that's a really important point about your family. Um, and it, again, it's not just medicine. Uh, I I could have called the books uh, Do As They Say, Not As I Did, because I brought nothing home. And that's a problem in and of itself. Uh, what, what we tend to like to see is that you periodically do talk about some of the stressors of your life away from your home with with your family um but in a way that's uh moves it in a positive direction so if you come home and you get into a he said then i said then he said then i said then he said then it's just a bitch session right as opposed to i got into this bad you know interaction with one of my coworkers and this is how i reacted and i wish i could react a different way and you start thinking about, well, how do I handle that? Is there a different way to handle it? Is there a better way to handle it? Uh, and and that's very useful to kind of debrief those stressors. Another thing that you were alluding to earlier, which I think is really important, uh, and it's another good exercise, is we all, particularly in a marriage, I find, but we all always assume we know what the other person is thinking when they do something. If if my wife does something or my she does something or says something, I immediately know why she's doing it. At least I tell myself I know why she's doing it. She's doing it to annoy me or to get back at me or to pick on me or, you know, but we create these stories in our heads. And it's amazing how often they are absolutely wrong. So we, one of the things that we always say is when you start hearing these stories go off in your head is to call them out, to say, wait a minute, 
You have no idea why that person's doing it. Even with the road rage, I have no idea why that guy cut me off. Maybe he's a jerk, but maybe he's rushing to the hospital or, you know, you know, you just don't know. Uh, and so if we can kind of at least stop the storytelling and, and if we really feel like we have to know, well, then we probably should ask. You know, if we, you know, why did why did my wife turn the TV off? Well, I'm, I'm going to ask her. <laughs> that sort of no, thing. But, but, but Gary, it is it is. You're right. I mean, we never know what's going on. And by the way, I think we should all assume. Like I I I do say this. I mean, I, I've gotten to the point now where I realize that when I see something, I know there's something. There's there's no one that's going on through life without some difficulty. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if you're a billionaire or you have non-money. You know, I think. In between the spectrum, there's always some some sort of drama and trauma going on in in mentally or physically to someone, right? If not them, it's their family members. There's yeah. something going on. Their kids. There. So there's always something going on at work. You know, to your point, colleagues. There's that. There's there's more drama at work than you can imagine. So it doesn't matter what you do. It's happening, right? And I always tend to try to give the benefit of the doubt, but but sometimes you know we all are human. And we have our threshold, and sometimes you just like you know you just go at it, right? But but it's it's you. The more we think about it, the more we take some accountability, and the more we give some other people the break. I think I think we live a little less stressed, you know. And I think those are some of the ways. I mean, the more I have my recurring show with Dr. Ham, we do the the. It's a psychiatry, you know, uh, show where we do have live mm -hmm. questions. And you know, one thing that 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 he's pretty much repeated over time is that you can only handle the things that you can, the things that you have no control, which by the way, goes back to what you said. Well, assuming 90% is not you, well, let's just see what you can do for the things you have control over. And that's the thing. We can only control what we can control. That Those things you can. Now, one way you can do it is maybe get you know, advanced education, get into a decision-making. I don't know. Like even if you're in a corporate, well, the better way to get it is to get to that next level where you can sit at the, you know, at the board or you know with the board to make some, some executive decisions. But until then, it's you can voice yourself. There's always a limitation to what you can do, but you do what you can at the time and the level that you're in. And that goes for all life everywhere, right? So, and those are simple changes that we can apply to make a difference in our lives. And eventually, we're not, we do good by us, we do good by everybody else. And that's, that's a win win for all, right? So, exactly. So, so, so Gary, uh, now you, you worked in, in a world where debt and life or life and debt is, is eminent. I mean, it's, it's every day's, you know, story. Uh, what is, what is the, the role of spirituality in, in, in your space? Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> they say, first of all, you know, you, you know, the old saying, uh, there are no atheists in foxholes. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any atheists going into a really dangerous brain operation. Uh, I think I think all of us are like, if there's someone up there, um, you know, please uh, give me a little hand here. And, uh, you know, I've certainly been in the middle of operations where I'm just saying, you know, really, really, God, you, re you know, can you do something about this? Um, I think, uh, you know, we know that in the burnout world, some level of spirituality is remarkably helpful. It's remarkably uh, strong in, in uh, supporting and building our resilience. So, you know, the, if you can be spiritual, if you can find that spirituality within yourself, uh, I think that is, you know, remarkably protective. Uh, I personally, I I had started out actually when I went to college. I I started I 
thought I was going to eventually go into the ministry. So I, I certainly had a very spiritual background uh, from the beginning. I kind of drifted away from organized religion, but you know, I don't know. You're you're around so much of this stuff. You you know, I I don't know. It it certainly touched the spiritual side of me. I was just I was just talking about uh, earlier today that um, through the many years and the thousands of families that I, I uh, patients and their families that I spoke to under the worst circumstances, it never ceased to shock me how, first of all, courageous they were. But also, I the only term I've ever been able to come up with to describe it is how fill, filled with grace they were. That's the best way I can call it is grace. Uh, just just a calmness, a acceptance, a, a a gratitude to us trying to help. Uh, you know, I, it just stunned me how gracious, full of grace, uh, all these patients and all their families were. So I, that was for me. That was one of the easiest ways to get out of bed in the morning because I knew that's what I was going to experience in the day, and it would just send chills up and down your spine and you see that over and over again and you kind of going listen i i don't know what the answers are for all things in the universe but i have to believe that these are you know these are special souls here well thank you uh, and and you know I, I love what you said about that first of all you're right no matter what we believe while we're standing and, and tall it's one thing but when you know the shit hits the fan as they say <laughs> you know Everybody looks for, for, you know, a request, you know, a submissive request to see if potentially it gets cashed in. And no matter what denomination or no denomination, people actually tend to believe that there is some level of, you know, a response that could happen if I did ask. And so you're right. And when you get to those points, you know, what else can you do, right? I mean, you you have the, the capable hands that you, but you still have, as we always say, from a religious aspect, you say, well, we live in the hands of God, right? You know, and so, so at the end of the day, now here's the thing. I mean, I personally, I'm still with the organized, you know, version of it, meaning I do believe in the system, but I do believe that you know, there is. We all know that there is an expiration date. So the, this is how I look at it for me personally, uh, and it eases a lot of pain because knowing that it's going to happen, just a matter of how and when, right? And so at the end of the day, you do your best, and if people are meant to live they're going to live and the surgery will be successful but if it's not because i do believe there's more to this than just you know the heart stopping and things there's more to that but again from a religious aspect of it you see it that differently if you have no religion then you look at it from scientifically it's one-on-one -on -one. it's if you did this you're going to do this you could plug this is going to be uh, okay but if you go to beyond the realm of physical and science and you go into the spiritual world there's more to this you believe that there's more i mean uh, you probably Maybe you've heard these. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you know about them. You know, near life, uh, near that. You know, sure. uh, opportunities and people come back. You know, they had these experiences. You know, you hear a lot of these things, right? So, but at the end, of the day, that's a whole world in its own. But it does alleviate some of the pressures. I mean, because because think about it, right, Doc? If these folks don't have, they lose that fate. Then, then basically everybody's to blame, right? <laughs> They're going to find a reason to blame and therefore that that's not going to help you or anyone. So I, you're right. I mean, we have to be thankful that 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 empathy, that feeling is available at people and it's abundant and people have it. 
you know, that you have one small percentage that may react otherwise. But everybody, no matter what the outcomes are, they they accept them eventually. And and that's 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 a mercy on its own, you know, for you and for for them and and for whoever, you know. So it's it's a different world. But but I think to your point, it's needed. It does help. Uh, whether you're doing the function to work or you're actually on the other side, that just is a different. And and anyone who has some level of spirituality usually tends to be a lot more accepting, calm, you know, no blame. Because listen, and I and I believe in that. You do the best you can with the set of things you can. And there's nothing else. I mean, the rest is not in your hands. You cannot, you cannot do more. You know, you you basically drive to the limit, and then the rest is. And and we hear this sometimes. You know, like we've done our best. You know, now it's up to him to to his immune system, his this, his that, or mm-hmm. you know. And and sometimes that's what it is. The body is going to have to do its own, and you know, the resilience is there, and eventually they can. You know, people come back from extreme stuff. You know, and you'll be like, oh, wow we didn't expect this outcome and it can happen faster and sooner because you don't know. So there is a level of that that is unique and, you know, but, but we love that because that makes life easier for the practice of medicine for everybody. Right. I mean, you know, it just helps. So thank you for, 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 for sharing that, that piece in terms of how you see it in terms of the people that you've met, you know, and again, people come in, in this stage to the hospital and the people that other than the ones who have, a medical condition that is growing that you can resolve like a surgery that you can pre-plan the other 90 percent is all trauma so so it's not something that is pre-planned it happens and people are faced with it and you are the ultimate potential help that they can get and the rest i mean beyond god if they believe right you know so 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 you are and then the the last line of defense if you want to call it that way and it does work, and 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 I know that there's like again, it's there's a satisfaction there that there is a, a good feel that you do your best and you try to save lives, and and that's that nobody can take that away. And I and I want to say this, people should not blame you, you know, no matter what, because at the end of the day, you are there to do the best you can, and you do it. Uh, you don't. It is it is heavy on you as well. And when when I say you, you and the team, and and everybody mm-hmm. does the job that you do. So so that's that. Now let's talk about the novel. You know, <laughs> th- that's your latest edition. What's uh-huh. the name of it, by the way? It's called Death's Pale Flag. Uh, Ooh. Death's okay. P- Pale Flag. It's a quote from Shakespeare, actually, but uh, I-, I think it works well. Um, it- so it's still in in this topic area. It's of all things, it's about a brain surgeon uh, who's a workaholic um, and you know, probably stressing his family out already anyway, but he begins to see things. And he originally, he originally thinks they're hallucinations. He thinks it's maybe through sleep deprivation, or maybe he's having little seizures or something. But he, as things go on, and he sees more and more of it, um, he begins to believe he's seeing ghosts. And he's trying to figure out what the ghosts want with them. And, (laughs) uh, and then his life starts to unravel both at work and and in his home. Wow. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that sounds like a movie story. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that can progress into something, you know, Hey, you know, I think there's I, something there. I um, always say, you know, I insist Brad Pitt plays my part, you know, but <laughs> right? <laughs> why not? Right. No, but certainly, I mean, it sounds like a very exciting, you know, but I get it. I mean, it, but it, 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 it is, a, well, it's not fiction, but 
that is fiction, I guess. <laughs> it is pure fiction, but but it it does touch on reality. I mean, you know, these are all, I guess, very good a figurative speech type of you know concepts. You know, where it's the ghosts are real. I mean, you do get these vivid things, and then you're questioning things, but but there's there's a mental piece to it. So I I know it's it, it's a nice playful you know uh, theme there. So I. I congratulate you for that. So that's pretty cool. Is that just you, or you have a cool co-writer on? Oh, no, that was that was just me. The um, I and yeah, I I, I like to I like how you described it. I kind of played with some themes. I I did want I I wanted originally just to to really give a kind of an eyes wide open uh, view of the neurosurgical world. So there's heavy neurosurgery in it. Um, and I try to make it very digestible, but you get double barrel what it's like to be in a big medical center with the, you know, the helicopters coming in and the car accidents and the gunshots and the tumors and all that sort of thing. And we address some of the things that we talked about today, making mistakes and how that haunts you. And, uh, and with, with the, the ghost side, you know, I wanted the reader to start trying to decide whether the guy's going crazy or the ghosts were real. And we do get into spirituality and religion in it. Uh, so I, it's people, it's been well-received so far. So I, that, that makes me happy. Hasn't shot up to the number one in the New York times yet, but uh, we'll see. Well, listen, it, it's, we just did the trailer right now. So let's see. You know, we'll, <laughs> there you go. We, we will play it, you know, you know, out there. And I mean, definitely I'll encourage people to read it. I mean, it is fiction. It's fun, but but also it does bring you, like I always say, books and movies. There is what you see, and there's what behind the scene. There's always a message that is behind, or multiple messages are behind, in the context of, of the script. So therefore, in this case, it is the life of what a neurosurgeon and brain surgeon is experiencing, and the demons that they have to deal with. <laughs> you exactly, because that's what it is. I mean, you know. No one's going to know that, you know, and life is difficult. And that's like, we, we hear this, uh, like you mentioned talking about military, right? We hear people having trauma, you know, episodes and having these visions and they have these, these nightmares they see and things. I mean, cause you've seen that live. It's, it's, it's not, it, you know, we can, if I always say this, I, I remember one small thing that I saw in 30 years plus, and it's always in front of my eyes. Like I've seen someone fall from a car and, and their whole arm twisted when the 360. Now that vision did not go away. Like literally yeah. now, if I see someone in that same position, that comes right back. It is a part of trauma, meaning that I was affected by that because it did, you know, flick somewhere. Now I try to ignore it. I've seen, you know, you see the footage right now on TV. Like sometimes, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's crazy, right? And it stays, it stays there behind. So it does trigger once you see something new. But if you always in there, sometimes you get numb. Like in, your, in the case of you guys in the hospital, you know, and by the way, this happened. My dad was, was in the hospital bed and, um, you know, he was, he, he, he actually died. And so oh, I went, sorry. no, 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 it, it life happens. Remember, <laughs> I believe <laughs> so. So he was there. So they called us that he was gone. And so I go there. I walk in to, to the, the, the facility there. He was still in his room. They were just laughing outside. You know, I mean, they're just having a normal, you know, conversation. So I was a little bit like, what the hell? You got a human that just gone. Yeah. yeah. But for them, it's just, you know, another day, <laughs> just another Monday, you know? So I, I realized that, that, you know, they see this enough to them. It's just like another day, another person. They come in, they go, they would come in live. They go in a bag. I mean, that's kind of like how it is. 
I, t- I try to kind of formalize in my mind to, to, to give them, again, that benefit of doubt to understand where they are. But, you know, it was not right to do it in front of the family of, of no. someone who just passed. You know, but but so that was my critique to them. But but the fact of the matter, I get it. I mean, they see this stuff. I mean, you go to the hospital, people are just having a good day, just having a normal day. And people are in pain. Oh my God. Like you go to a triage room, everybody's like, Oh my God, I this and the guy's just walking by and like, you know, nothing is happening. It's like it's just a cool day for them. That's because they're so used to it, they're numb to that concept. They just and or that just how they, they deal with it. They can't be talk you mentioned empathy. They can't be like Oh, they can be compassionate, they can stop, but they can't be like, you know, completely like, you know, mushy at every single person that walks in. Otherwise, they won't do it. I mean, you go to med school, the first thing they do is you get the cadavers, you get all these, (laughs) you you get to see all that stuff. I have actually this true story. A friend of mine, um, you know, uh, he's a a surgeon, but he does like uh, implants, uh, dental implants, Mm -hmm. different surgery, not not as advanced as yours. (laughs) But, but, But here's the thing. I remember like when, so we're best friends. We, he, I went to my university. He went to his, to the, to the dental school. And they do the first, med, like the general medicine first. And so in the first year, the first thing they do, they, they get cut of, you know, the cadavers and, and they have to open. And one of his colleagues just fainted. You know, they opened up the body yeah. and she just dropped. And and I, I still remember that as a story that he related to me. So that's what happens. I mean, you get wrapped into these things. So eventually blood, gore, you know, all the stuff. You know, if I see it, I probably faint. You're not gonna faint. I mean, you you open a brain for God's sakes. You see it. You know, the heart is pumping and everything. You have people that actually pump hearts. You know, with their their bare hands. I mean, it's it's amazing. But but you get to that point through training, through through putting these 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 I guess systems in place that you're not gonna get affected by the light. You know, but anything because you can't. Otherwise, you can't perform. And so that's the difference between someone who has not trained and, and someone who. So anyway, so this this was just my little thing about the ghosts and, and the experiences, because there's there's definitely reasons for that to happen. So and, and I appreciate you put it into a novel format and a fictive, you know, fiction format that, that can make a difference in people's lives and make it interesting as well and bring them closer to the reality of what the work that you guys do out there. Yeah, so, and I I hope they do. I I uh, you know I I also wanted to represent what I was talking about that grace and and bravery of the patients and their and their families. So hopefully they see that. The other the other piece of it really to me is uh, hopefully it it gets across the point that it's all so easily taken away from any of us at any point. You know, life just like that and. Maybe if we appreciated it more, you know, more thankful for everything that we have and and enjoy what we have, uh, we'd all do a little bit better. So those were some of the targets there. I got to tell you one other quick story uh, predicated on what you were just saying. I, I mean, again, we, we saw the worst stuff nonstop, just one thing after another, after another. And I... I pretty much sailed through it. I mean, every once in a while you'd feel it in your, you know, your chest a little bit or something, but I wasn't breaking down and sobbing or not being able to go in because it was too intense or anything like that. I just kind of went and did it because you had to. You had to steal yourself and get it done. And as you pointed out, you know, all your training is designed to do that for you. But it's interesting, since I stopped operating. I I find myself crying 
over the simplest of things, you know, not, not because I, you know, dropped a, dropped a pork on the ground or something, but you know, if I'm watching TV and it's some emotional movie or something, I'm, I'm feeling tears rolling down my cheeks and I'm going, what the hell is that? Uh, and so my, my thought about it is even though we, put this facade on and we had it all blocked it was getting in there you know oh, that that level of tragedy was getting in there well your resilience is is what you develop to to mm -hmm. to deal with it but at the end of the day i mean again when you look at combat so, so, you know soldiers or police mm -hmm. right into the action you know at the time of the action you're not thinking about all that stuff you just got to deal with it now, you can think about it later. Now, as long as you're in the scene, you're not going to feel anything. You're just going to keep going. And you kind of almost shut down everything else. But once you don't have that, then your true self is still there. You're still a human. You still have those feelings. Right. And, you know, I guarantee you, sometimes you, you reflect and you can uh, remember somebody, you know, laying down on that, you know, bench and, and you guys doing the work and you might even get emotional. By the way, so that, that actually leads me to a question. You know, is there a protocol for doctors to go through, like, you know, some sort of a... Um, so like a psychiatry evaluation or that do have somebody that they can, you know, a therapy concept that is always available to them as they perform surgery. Is that something that is happening or if not, is it something that you would think or recommend? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, um, you know, this, the gentleman that I wrote the uh, three nonfiction fiction books with uh, somebody I partnered with on all this uh, and he's, he's a world expert on burnout and his name's Wayne Sotil. Um, but uh, he was banging the drum about uh, burnout 30 years ago uh, and burnout in medicine, particularly. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't getting heard. And in the last 10 years, it really took off. So there's a lot of everybody's to burn out this, burn out that, you know, 50%, 70% are burned out. It's all you hear. And in fact, there's all sorts of rules that are being instilled in these residency training programs. Now they all have to have some sort of resilience program and all. But the problem is it's awfully, it's often dealt with cynically where not much is done about it. Or I, I joke, but you know, once a year, they'll bring in a bunch of puppies for people to pet and say, here, you've <laughs> had your resilience training. But, um, uh, you know, so what you see is certain, certain uh, systems have embraced it and are really going at it and certain systems aren't. The system I was working in allowed me to bring this psychologist in and, you know, work with our team and work on, you know, kind of all the almost experimenting on this for for a few years. And they do have built-in counselors that anybody has access to and all. And even there, it's still it's not enough in that I think with this, with the resilience angle, you, you know, one visit to a, psych, a psychologist, one lecture from somebody like me, one episode of petting the, pu the puppies ain't going to do it. These things that we talk about in the books, the exercises that we do and stuff, it's got to be something that you 
build into your routine, just like exercise, you know, to keep your body healthy, you got to keep your brain and your your psyche healthy as well. And so it, it, it needs to be done with, with regularity. And I think we're far away from that at this point. So, you know, the, the psychologists are kind of there in case the wheels come off, but it would be nice not to have the wheels come off at all. Well, yeah, I mean, to me personally, you know, if I had it my way, every system must. It's like you have a police, right? Like law enforcement, yeah. they do have their own therapy, you know, available to them at all times whenever they expose the stuff. It should be someone that's always on staff. I mean, it's just like another service, but now you don't service patients. You service your first patients or your first clients who are your, your providers, your employees, your doctors, the ones that do the work. I think that's just, and I would even literally, if I had it my way, I would mandate it that it would be like, you have a break, you go to the gym, you know, you get like, you know, half hour, you know, uh, treadmill or bike or elliptical, whatever you want to do. But there's, there's gotta be something there. That's always, that kind of offsets that. Cause you gotta get that out and get that energy. And so uh, yeah. that's how I see it. I mean, these things should be just basic, you know, level, uh, access to all the, 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 the people. And by the way, not just in the medical world in any no. intense level, you should have these things available. So, because at the end of the day, you want to have performers do the best performance they can. And if you give them the tools to do it, mental and physical aspects of it will help, you know, do the stuff. They're, they're excellent in what they do. But these things are things to be, like, to your point, preventative measures versus, like, it's too late if the wheels come off. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you may not be able to to resume your work, but if, if we are preventing this ongoing, as long as you're working, you're ahead of the game. And so that's a whole different aspect of things. Again, who am I? I'm just a hurricane, you know, but, but this is what we do. These talks is to bring it out. Hopefully the ears out there can get it. And maybe they take, you know, heat to it. Someone can say, Hey, listen, I love that concept. Maybe use it. Like I said, you and I can only do so much, but we're doing enough by, by sharing this value to people. And by the way, we are talking just in the States for the most part. I mean, you know, this world, I mean, we're yeah. way advanced in a lot of it than other places. You know, and by, by the way, there's other places that I, I would say they're even more advanced than us. Believe it or not, I, we can talk about the healthcare system as a whole different discussion. You know, there's I'm sure as a provider, as a doctor and, and an expert in this, you have these d discussions all the time between the insurance, between the government, between all this stuff, the way it all operates here, the access, you know, who gets what. You know, I mean, you, you know, some hospitals, people may not get the surgery because of whatever. But in other places, people don't even get basic care. Yeah. You know, and then the providers are extremely, you know, overwhelmed and they can't get anything. I mean, so we're kind of, you know, a little bit uh, spoiled in a way, but but we're talking about this at this level. And, you know, there are people like, what are you guys talking about? Like, step down a minute. <laughs> you know, we're having none of the stuff you talk about. But so we are conscious of this, you know, and that's why I bring it up. I mean, obviously, these are examples of where we are in terms of, I mean, you are literally, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at one of the best in the world here. So folks, you're listening and watching someone that is the top of the top in, in their field of expertise and in one of the better institutions of the world. But e even, you know, what we're taking here is the value that this is can be applied across the, the, the globe as, as a whole. And anyone watching and listening can take benefits from this discussion and hopefully take it and apply it in, in your worlds, you know, and whatever you are, you can do these things to advance and to help. I mean, certainly you want your population healthier. You want your people to be, you know, better. You want your doctors to be, you know, taken care of as well because they can take care of people. And by the way, not just in brain surgery, all different levels. So that was just my little rant there. <laughs> so thank you for no, bringing it up. 
hundred percent agree. I, I and and if you just think about it, if you just want to be, you know, Machiavellian about it, the end justifies the means. I I think, you know, if if you can keep your performers at peak, you're gonna have more. You know, you're gonna have better results. You're gonna have greater throughput and all that. Even if it means you take a few hours a week and and let them exercise or let them get some fresh air or let them you know whatever it is that that helps them uh perform at their best well again i'm going to give you an example which is unrelated but almost the same and i'll tell you why so i'm i've been in in an insurance space but more in the sales leadership now sales is all about numbers and performance and it's daily i mean you're performing surgeries and my teams are performing daily to, to to provide the insurance for people and in my world is the medicare space so we'll we work with the seniors and i can tell you even in the sales world you, you don't want to you know we want numbers every day but do you just keep the people out there or you want to bring them for training and refresh it and take them out there and do some some motivational you know outings and things like that you do that you sacrifice a day but you take them out so you want them to be at optimum you know performance you don't just like burn them out, you know, just sell, 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 right. sell. You want to do things, you know, whether your managers or your staff, you do celebrations, you do, you know, awards, you want to get them pumped, you know, and give them breaks. So yes, bring them in, train, retrain. That's the other thing. Training and retraining is important. Sometimes all we, they, they got it. No, nobody's got it hundred <laughs> percent. Right. We, we got to keep polishing, you know, our skills, no matter what we do out there. You know, that's why we have continuing education. You have always renewed, you know, uh, you have articles and journals that come out of medicine that you have to be like part of and understand what's the new technology, the new science, the new medicine. It's the same thing everywhere. But the concept, you sacrifice a day, you get better results later. You don't sacrifice a day, you're going to sacrifice many days later because you're not going to get the performance. So uh, again, I mean, it was an analogy that may not be as as high to, to the level where you are, but it's it goes to all businesses. I mean, the top executives and CEOs of top company they recognize that i mean you know one of the examples is the the what they use now is unlimited pto as an example mm -hmm. now the, they have it's proven that the companies that adopted these these you know strategy where people can work is on performance but they can have enough time themselves and as long as they deliver nobody cares it changed the dynamics of the performance. And these companies are like, they're all over the place. They, they're gone further out than, than most of the companies that still stick to like, you know, you got two weeks or, or whatever and you, you can't go, you got to get supervisor approval. It just changed the dynamics of how you do it. At the end of the day, what is it? Do you want performance and results or you want to have dictatorship and, you know, policy yeah, control, adherence? Control. Control, right? exactly. So, I mean, that's all there is. It, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a leadership, you know, change and a shift from old school mentality to, contemporary or futuristic you know way of thinking it will make a different you know world for all of us for everything that we do and so so again doctor i mean this this has been a an, <laughs> an awesome discussion i mean I'm, I'm enjoying every single moment and again i am no, me honored, too i'm honored to 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 be in your presence and and the work you do is, is the work you've done and the work you do today because you're still teaching the, the next generation of med and 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 the grads, you know, in in the university, and and these are all the people that are actually going to be the next, you know, uh, providers out there. So, you know, your work is is tremendous, and the more we put out this uh, information, it's going to change them. And I think the students themselves, they're going to learn, and they're going to be able to to potentially champion some of this discussion or some of the topics that you're covering, you know, into their their new world, whatever they're going to be going, you know, hospitals. Some of these may be the next 
brain surgeons as well. Some of them may be the next CEOs or executives in, in yeah. some of these, these, these healthcare systems. And therefore they can bring these ideologies and, and make the, the shift and change from the old mod, from the old to the new. Well, you know, we've exceeded an hour. <laughs> it went by quick, but who cares, right? It was worth every right. single you know minute and second of it. So, Gary, can you just leave our audiences with some piece of advice, you know, whether they're in the medical field or otherwise? Yeah, I I go back uh, to one of the main thrusts, and that is uh, you, you really can't take care of anybody else in medicine or in your family or at your work or anything. You can't do anything at your best if you're not functioning well. And so it is absolutely imperative to look after yourself, to understand yourself and to take care of yourself. So we have a mantra that is basically no guilt for, for self-compassion and self-care. You just can't let guilt get into it because we're, we're very prone to that. And just say, no, I'm going to take care of myself first and then I'll be able to take care of other people. It's like if a, you know, if those oxygen masks drop down on a plane and they say, you know, if you have a kid by you, don't be there fiddling with the kid. Get your mask on first, then you'll be able to take care of the kid. Well, thank you, Gary. And and <laughs> you know, it's funny because you, you said it just I was gonna say exactly the same thing about the example of the plane. It's a very standard, but it is, you know, if you take care of yourself, you can do more yourself is not there you're not going to be able to provide you know the right you know outcomes out there so it is no so so gary the website i know you have a website and um people can actually go in there and there's some resources and, and links to everything that we talked about so i will have the, the link of it in the description of the show so we can actually connect with you direct and and definitely yes. now the books are available on amazon i'm assuming and or, yeah, um, all the all the typical online uh, providers, the book, all the books are available. I also I have a bunch of blog articles on psychology today and stuff on my own website and stuff. So anybody who wants to get into that stuff with me, I I invite them to contact me. They can contact me pretty directly, and if they ever want to shoot the breeze about this stuff, but you know we're only scratching the surface here, Hurricane. We you know we we went through a, a lot of a lot of minutes, and there's still so much that we could be getting into. Well, listen, we got to do what we can with what we have, right? Right. <laughs> you know, we make the best that we can today. And hopefully this will just basically, you know, uh, I guess, multiply through other people's, you know, uh, I guess, reach and venues. Because, you know, everybody that's watching this and can share this through their, you know, personal feeds and hopefully spread the word across and, you know, more people link up to you. And that's how we do it. It's information. And you are a resource that people can actually tap into and get, you know, direct from the source. And, and you know, it's always good also to get it from the best and the best of the best because you are an expert in what you're doing. I mean, people are not going to, you know, doubt your, you know, your qualifications because they can't even if they wanted to. You know, you know your stuff. You've done this work long enough to understand it better than most. And, you know, you are helping people one person at a time. So, Gary... Dr. Simmons, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's been a delight, truly. It's it's an honor, privilege. I mean, all those those qualifiers and attributes, I would add them here. <laughs> I'm gonna run out of vocabulary here, you know, because <laughs> it, it, you know, again, like I said, I I I'm just 
enjoying the discussion. I've enjoyed it. And I know, you know, it's funny. I listen to these shows over and over. So, so I will actually reabsorb it, you know, once we're done, because so much stuff that you covered there, you know, the, you know, I, my attention span gets limited when I'm, I'm trying to, you know, come back with you in discussion. Yeah. It's different when I listen to you just without any, you know, any thought process going on at the same time. But so thank you so much. And, uh, you know, please keep up the great work you're doing out there. And uh, yeah, you're a friend of the the network and maybe we'll have you back again. We can talk about more stuff, you know, in the future as well. And, and as you, maybe another book. And I do, I do want to, see that this book you know in 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 the movie somehow to to just bring it to people. <laughs> you, you never well, know we'll see we'll see uh how it goes but yeah no thanks so much I, anytime i'd love to talk to you more well I, i'll hold you to that so we'll connect after the, the show and then you know we'll 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 plan maybe something for the next year but so thank you so much for being with us and folks i hope you had a great time with us you've enjoyed the discussion as well you've learned quite a bit and uh, yeah, that's about it for today. And we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic, and new guest. Bye for now.